Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the Knollcast. As always, Bud, we'll thank our friends, Tarpon Sellers Winery, great people who provide uh, the Knollcast. So, fantastic leadership in the form of a title sponsor. As always, you can go to tarponsellers.com, use the coupon code Knollcast for 20% off, and a big thank you to them. So, Bud, we've got new locker rooms. We've got uh, two really prominent figures uh, retiring uh, somewhat unexpectedly here a uh, lot to cover everybody's back from spring break pads on we'll have a uh, a good 10 days here so of a lot of information about the team and finding out some of those questions but uh let's jump into it today and uh, see where it takes us all right bro and it does look like maybe you've been spring breaking uh, a little bit <laughs> if you're watching the youtube version of this uh i i, I think the not quite so early morning record was was the good call today. If Ingram t- t- got some time off from work and what did you go good. concert last night? You said good evening, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> just shaking off the the morning cobwebs. Kind of an interesting uh, transition period for me. Uh, good All right, new locker rooms. Uh, they are cool. Uh, they are done. They are well received by the players. I don't know what else you can really say about this. Like they look good. The players like them. They're bragging about them on Insta and TikTok and whatnot, and that's what you want to see. Um, obviously, donations paid for that for some old boosters. I, I'll ask you this. How long do you think before they have another locker room update? Like, do you think in the future this whole facilities arms race is going to slow down a little bit? Maybe. What I also think is like that, what I looked at there, it looks nice and all white. That's cool. Seems like that's kind of the the move in the direction that uh, we've been making for a little while and be interested to see if there's any kind of uniforms that pair with that. But uh, to me, that looks like a really nice kind of reskin, you know, more than anything. And I think that's more what you'll be doing on these things is every, you know, four or five years, uh, putting a, a new little twist on it, addressing a room or two. Yeah, I like them. If the kids are excited about it, that's fantastic. It's not, you know, the... Uh, Georgia's or LSU's of the world where you've, you've got everybody's all but got their own little house uh, within their own locker room. I mean, that's uh, insane, but that's uh, great stuff. And if the kids like it, then that's really all that matters. I, I agree with you there on, on that. Um, I don't know if you heard this yesterday on Cover 3. Danny Cannell mentioned that they used to have the Seminole head in the locker room. And now they have a spear, which fits better because it's it's more you know linear. And I was like, I thought he was going to say that so, it was so cool. You weren't supposed to step on it. He was like, you weren't supposed to step on it. And it was the biggest pain in the ass, right? <laughs> I was like, damn. Okay. So it was, uh, that was interesting. But I like it. it. looks cool. As long as the players like it, that's fine. I think ultimately, I'm following the Major League Baseball offseason here, you know, pretty closely as we get ready for our fantasy draft. We, by the way, we may have one opening, maybe two. For our league. I know a couple of listeners have played in this for a while. Bud Elliott CFB at gmail.com. Bud Elliott CFB at gmail.com. If you are a dedicated fantasy baseball player and want in, pretty good time. None of these guys are like, yeah, I'm signing with this team because of the locker rooms. They're like, yeah, I'm signing with this team because of a combination of location, money, money, and then maybe for some of these guys, a chance to, to chase a championship if they're kind of later career and they, they, they really care about that. For, for the most part, it's a job. It's a way to get awesome security for their family. Look at Chris Bryant. He just signed with the Rockies. Seven-year deal for like 180, 190. 
they're never going to win a damn thing in his tenure there. Like he's just, he just took the check. That's why I don't think like new locker rooms are going to be a thing going forward nearly as often, you know, uh, at least not on the big scale. I, I agree with you there on that, but it is, I think good that you, you made the upgrades to it. You can't fall super behind in that thing. I think that's the deal. Like you don't want to appear like as, as like a second class place. Real easy to do this. Um, that that round of locker rooms, it was always just curious to me. Like the most legendary players in program history would have a gray silhouette, the nondescript thing. It was just uh, interesting. We were making a lot of real curious decisions with locker rooms and uh, uniforms and logos and everything during that period of time. And uh, not a whole lot of it aged all that well. But uh, anyway, good to see him move on from the locker room. Nice little ad. Uh, one thing that will also be moving on, uh, surprisingly, is the voice of Gene Deckroff. Moving on anywhere other than <laughs> not doing Florida State games, going to stay in the game doing uh, his Tampa work. So we've all been blessed uh, to be able to listen to Gene. And Gene's kind of like the last of um, the last of his age, kind of the last yeah. of the Larry Munson's, the... Uh, you know, never over or over the top like Munson or something like that, but just so school specific and there for you know, 40 years. And uh, everybody's kind of the, just the the soundtrack of their Florida State fandom is Gene Deckeroff talking in their head. And um, best to him, incredible career, real tough shoes for anybody to try to step into. I've, I've had, had the chance to get to know Gene. Uh, I don't know him great, but just you know, know, know him in, in, in person, uh, you know, more in recent years. As I, I do, you know, speaking at different booster club events and just you know, seeing him around the press box and whatnot. Uh, you know, happy for him, gets to enjoy his retirement. Uh, looks honestly like much healthier. Uh, seems to have you know gotten the gym and and, and looks good. Uh, he looks better now than he did when I, when I met him in person. You know what? Probably thirteen years ago now. So. Uh, happy for him. He's going to be able to you know, be healthy uh, and, and enjoy his retirement. Do, do we know if he's still doing Bucks games? I believe he said he will. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. Tallahassee is obviously quite the trip, uh, you know, to to make, especially when you're doing the the back to backs with the Bucks. That that's uh, that's a hell of a lot of work right there. Um, and you're right. Like for a younger generation, probably those that are watching us on YouTube, um, but we have some some folks in kind of the middle age watch us on YouTube as well, and probably some. Probably some older folks as well, and we we love all y'all. Uh, but you know, for the younger generation, they probably didn't grow up listening to Gene on the radio uh, necessarily. But there was a time, and not that long ago, uh, in which not every game was on TV. Right nowadays, we complain if a game is on ESPN Plus or ACC Network or you know whatever. Maybe less on ACC Network, but if you have the Comcast deal now, I mean, granted the commercials still suck, but you can at least find it. Not long ago. Not every game was televised nationally, and oftentimes not like not every market in the state was going to have it. I mean, I'm I'm 36, and I, I can I can remember listening uh, to games in the car, right? I mean, I'm, I'm granted a lot of us do that now in the car, so maybe that's not the best example. But I'm not old enough to remember listening to just the radio without the TV accompaniment at, at the house. But I guarantee you there are people who are like later 30s or even early 40s uh, who that's what they had to do. 
because the game was not every game was on TV in in the you know, late eighties and even into the early nineties. That's how you came to love Gene. That is certainly is, and it's just um, mm, yeah, wildly talented. And uh, I put this on Twitter and uh, the ACC network. So horrible! I really did go out of my way a couple times the last couple of years to try to find Gene, link up, and and also. Uh, one good thing from COVID is that there was a relaxation on a lot of these, uh, like right limitations. Like you could broadcast uh, Major League Baseball games directly through the um, radio stations app and stuff like right. that. Um, anyway, I've listened to Gene Moore in the last two years. The whole almost the entirety of the Miami game this year was just uh, me doing my best to try to sync the TV and Gene up. And what a fantastic luxury we've all had to listen to him and. Uh, Excited to hear that he's still doing the Buccaneers. Obviously, it's uh, good to hear that he's not just had some kind of dramatic quick retirement here. And uh, thank you, Gene, from all of us. It's been a hell of a, hell of a thing that we've been able to listen to you and uh, have that be in our mind. Second retirement that we need to go over, man. Wild to think that uh, we've had somebody here since, what, 1997, I believe she was hired. And, uh, you know, we don't touch talk a ton of women's hoops on here and we won't feign like uh you know we're experts at it or whatever else but uh just a hell of a long stay here and really develop the women's program from absolutely nothing other than kind of a couple of folding chairs and tables i mean 200 plus career wins won the coach of the year in 2013 2015 won the ap uh college basketball coach of the year two-time acc co-champs three-time at ACC Coach of the Year. That's a hell of a run. So congrats to Sue and, and really hope she enjoys her retirement. Um, we, we, we don't talk a ton of women's basketball, but I think it, we'd be remiss not to, not to at least mention that. Uh, something else I want to mention here, by the way, uh, is since I teased it last episode, we're going to have a lot more coming for you on this uh, beginning late next week, is Rising Spear. Uh, as I told you, I think something big is coming there and uh, actually just got off the phone with the source there on that. And uh, here's something people have been interested in. So will Rising Spear have a collective? Yes. Will it be for profit? No. 100% of donations that are made through the collective. So you know, fan donations and whatnot will go to the athlete, I'm told which means they have somebody covering the operating costs already. That's huge, man. You know, like I said, people running that are Knowles through and through. They're not some company that's doing a a whole bunch of different schools. And uh, I I think that will quickly become the one more to come on that, uh, including maybe uh, I think we can tease this. Maybe we will debut uh, the new website live on Knollcast. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. So that is uh, very exciting. One thing that's not, man, this is just uh, disappointing. No other way to put it. The biggest update uh, around Florida State football tied to the last two weeks or so is undoubtedly the fact that uh, Winston Wright was in a car accident. And unfortunately, um, everybody sounds like it's going to be fine when I'm speaking about, unfortunately, from a football perspective. Uh, this doesn't sound good. This sounds like this yeah. could be significant. This sounds like this could threaten this year. This sounds like this could be uh, 
Louisville, maybe many, many things. He's certainly not a lucky man. Certainly not a yeah. lucky man. Yeah, he's had a good amount of bad luck. Um, I had a source tell me, like, definitely not returning for spring. And we'll see about the fall. That's all I'm willing to say right now on the specifics. But, like, that's your biggest news of spring we, uh, so far. I mean, granted, like, knock on wood that nobody else gets banged up. But you, you brought in Wright to be your number one receiver. Okay, Pittman and Wilson, you're hoping one of them works out. Can, can, can one of them be a uh, an okay two or a very nice three for you, along with you know, Ontario and, and Keyshawn and those guys? Um, not having right, if he does have to miss time during the season, and obviously he's going to miss off-season time, even if he's back, can he be a number one for you? I'm not saying that he can't, but clearly there's... There's concern, man, and that's not good. Like he he needed to be your number one. That does limit the ceiling of this football team. There's nothing I can I, I can't lie to you guys about that. Nigger can't either. That's just that's really disappointing. We'll see what happens. Does he have to go under the knife? So when does that occur? What is the actual timetable to return? I I don't know. I'm glad he's going to be okay, like physically in the long term. Obviously, and glad everybody's okay. But on the football side, this is a football show. And that uh, that sucks. No other way to state it. Um, really disappointing, as you said. As we have more information, we will bring it to you. Um, from here, bud, transition into our recruiting needs and previewing individual uh, positions from the defense perspective. Yeah, man. Let's go ahead and do that. First, I want to give a shout out to the legendary team, Shannon and Chad over there. Great home loans. Over 300 NOLCAST listeners have done so, including me twice. Got my home loan and my refi through those guys. Tremendous customer service, great rates, knowledge of the market, understanding when to act. And uh, they, I think they really have your best interest at heart, man. And like that, we, we've had people come and say, hey, Shannon has told us they were not the right people for them. That's crazy, but that's also integrity. And that's what you get when you call those guys, 844-FSU-LOAN. Called Legendary Team, 844-FSU-LOAN. I've had a great experience with them, and I, I believe you guys will, too. No, there's four more. Defense? Oh, sorry. Four more, just last four week. Four more? Four more Shoot. last week. Okay. I, I took some paternity leave last week, so I've not been checking the email. So they've been coming. Absolutely. Before I cut you off, what you were going to say was the interior defense lines where we will turn our attention, a area that we have long since had a voice concerns as to what the future looks like after this year. Okay, why would we be concerned? Well, we'd be concerned because you're losing Cooper. Love it. Briggs most likely has turned into a defensive end. Not a ton of super elite high school talent already in the kind of in the uh, pipeline, so to say. It will be uh, will be real curious how they try to recruit their way out of this position. One hundred percent. So. I'm actually going to tell you that I feel a little bit better about this position going forward than I thought I would um, for a couple of reasons. Number one, Malcolm Ray uh, emerging a little bit more. Uh, Josh Farmer, I'm not sure he's going to be an impact guy this year, uh, but potentially I think he's progressing in the right direction to where he's a, a usable piece at the least and possibly more uh, in conference play. So that's encouraging to me. Obviously, Jarrett Jackson, we'll see if you get anything out of him. I think the fact that he's still around uh, shows he's going to exceed my expectations, certainly, and the expectations of those people at Louisville. So maybe there's been a, a new leaf turned over there. 
But on the recruiting side, to me, they need to take two high school players at least and probably one transfer. So I would say two high school, maybe three, and and one transfer. So you are losing Cooper. You're losing Fabian Lovett. Uh, Lovett still technically has a year left, I think, if he wanted to. But um, I believe that was a uh, a significant effort to get him to come back this year. And if, if he has a good year, I would expect him to turn pro. And even though FSU is using him as an edge player more this year, I think Dennis Briggs uh, probably belongs here because he's you know, certainly not like 240. You know, I think you're like 280 plus here, a guy who can put their hand down and play that five tech if you need him to, if you want to shift into, shift into some odd front stuff, which I think they'll probably do more this year anyway. He could go pro as well, right? So you could be losing, you will lose two of your best and you could lose three of your best defensive linemen who are 280 plus in the same year. Uh, and so that is is a concern. I, I don't think there's any way you don't have a drop-off in 2023 on the field at this position. But for recruiting, you're not really recruiting for next year. You're recruiting for a year two, year three. And they're actually doing a fairly decent job at this, I will say. Two episodes ago, we, we went over defensive tackle equipment, Keith Sampson out of North Carolina. Odell and, and Coach Marvell did a nice job on him there. So if you want to go back to that episode and, and listen to what we said, I highly recommend that. Uh, and they have a number of targets. Like This is a, a fairly big recruiting board for them right now. Not all of these guys are super realistic, but again, you have to see how the season plays out. If you win four or five games, none of these guys are realistic. If you win nine games somehow, uh, then more of them are certainly realistic. If you, you know, win somewhere in that kind of six to seven, maybe eight games, and again, regular season only, bowl games don't count because everybody signs pretty much before the bowl game, uh, then maybe a, a medium amount of these guys are realistic. Targets that we need to, like, first of all, I think Samson is pretty damn good. So, like, we, we went over that last ep- or two episodes ago, so go listen to that. Ruben Bain is a guy they've gotten on campus. I have my doubts as to whether they can really sign him. Uh, they've done well at Miami Central before, but I think Miami uh, would have to be considered uh, the, the spot there until proven otherwise. I know there's some optimism at FSU. I don't really share that optimism, guys, just from a national perspective. I, I feel like other schools have more reason for optimism there. Uh, Keldrick Falk is a kid that they're certainly in on, and I think we'll have a a chance with. Jordan Hall, guy out of Jacksonville, I know is somebody who they like, and uh, they need to get on campus more often, but I think he's a, a pretty solid player. Uh, Wilkie Denod is a guy who probably belongs in both categories. I've seen him. He's kind of a thick dude. I, I probably should have put him in the edge category, but it's not out of the realm of possibility to think he can continue to grow uh, and be a little bit of a, a thicker guy. They just offered Tavian Gadsden. I don't know a whole lot about him yet. I want to see him in person. Vic Burley is a big-time uh, defensive lineman. Again, he's firmly, I think, in that category of you need to have everything go right for you this season, potentially, to, to land a kid like that. So my guess is no. Uh, Will Norman at IMG, I, I don't really know. I actually thought Oklahoma for him before, like, when the old staff was there, but we'll see how his relationship is with with the new staff. Uh, and then Connor Knight is another guy they offered uh, fairly recently. I, given the, the the number of names that they have already here, 
and the number of these kids who have already visited campus multiple times, uh, dude, I actually feel okay about this. Good. Good to hear that uh, things are trending a little bit better in your opinion there. Certainly have some nice targets on the board. Uh, you're right. Samson's a fantastic piece to kind of build around. Odell's the best, one of the better position coaches of all time in college football. I've talked about that. There will come a time where you have to kind of handle this transition and manage the transition yeah. and how that will be dealt with and how that's kind of uh, something that gets adopted, I think, kind of in the middle of a class will be interesting. Not saying it's going to happen this year, but, um, you know, there's certainly some strategy with how you handle something like that. So better to be headed in a, in a positive direction, which it seems as though they're going to be uh, just from what we've discussed for the last 10 minutes or so. Defensive end, uh, got the nice uh, legacy here committed out of South Florida, Lamont Green Jr. Um, but a whole lot of needs, in my opinion, probably two high school kids, maybe one portal. Uh, it is true that uh, Leonard Warner will actually cycle off the roster at some point. Um, and this year almost has to be that point. Um, I think this is his COVID year. His, his super is senior his, year or so. Final, like final, final. I don't think year. there's any way he can play next year. Yeah. Uh, you'll lose Warner, certainly. And then, you know, it wouldn't shock me to see another piece of uh, attrition here at this position. Um after you saw one in the portal. So defensive end position, you got the one kid committed. What else do you think they're looking at on the board right now? Yeah, so the, the, this board is is interesting. I, I mentioned Wilkie Denod, who I think is, is probably belongs here, but I, I put him on interior DL as well because of, of the possibility that he could, he could bulk up. They, they already have Lamont Green Jr. Um, I was interested to see Gabe Harris, uh, crystal ball. Now, Gabe Harris probably belongs in the interior defensive line as well. He's another one of these guys who could bulk up, but he did lose some weight last year. So, I was interested to see him crystal ball to Georgia recently. And, obviously, Ohio State has been involved. That's a kid FSU has been involved with for a while. And, like, I'm not really, I'm not really sure what happened there. Right? Uh, I, I think having new GM, Derek Ray, uh, in the fold will be a big time help to this program. As, as I told you before, some of the other guys in the recruiting office, I don't really have a whole lot of confidence in compared to uh, other staffs. But I, th- I think Ray will get in there and wrestle that. I don't know if they're in quite as good of a spot with Harris as they, they once were. Now that could just be Georgia turning up the heat. And in this case, kid from Georgia who if Georgia wants him. You're probably not going to get him. Georgia almost has like a right of first refusal with kids right now in that state. And that I don't like saying that because it implies these kids don't have agency. But for the most part, Georgia kind of gets who they want within that state uh, right now. Jamarius Brown is another name to know. I, I already mentioned Wilkie. I really don't think they need to take three edge rushers. I mean, if you think about what they have coming back here on the roster, now maybe two, two high school plus a transfer makes some sense to me. but. I don't really think Verse is going to go pro after after this year. Now, he could because he's a redshirt sophomore, but I, I don't think he will. Do we think McClendon or Fuller are going to go pro early? It's possible. Is it likely? I don't Be know. Be pretty surprised. Be pretty surprised. I do think you'll get one transfer out of that, that, uh, that 2021 class. 
most likely. Like somebody's gonna gonna read the writing on the wall and say, "Yeah, I'm not, I'm not gonna get playing time," you know. Uh, and you you have to, I think you have to plan for that. But overall, I think your attrition is probably Warner plus one transfer from one of the young guys. You know, you signed three or four of them in that class uh, in, in in 2021. So I don't know. I feel okay about this spot, but you don't have a lot of elite pass rushers looking at you right now. However, you've done a nice job in the portal, I believe, two years in a row. Uh, so maybe you can become a transfer portal defensive end destination. I just don't like living like that. To me, that's not as sustainable. That, that's a more of a high variance approach. It makes me a little bit uneasy. Certainly. Absolutely. No, uh, if you can do it, great. We'll see. Uh, hopefully verse turns out and that is something that you can market yourself. Cause like we said, it's going to be real hard for Florida state to get the super elite, uh, at any position, but, uh, edge or interior defensive line in particular. One thing that we are always fortunate to be able to lean on is our relationship with Matt Lewis and the great team at congruity. A couple of other uh, deals in the pipeline here that hopefully we'll be able to talk to y'all about over the next couple of weeks. But Matt, uh, has been fantastic for us, and we certainly think he would be similar for you. Uh, congruity.com is the website. You can go to Knowles at congruity.com uh, for uh, the email or reach out to me directly uh, for me to be able to put you in touch with Matt, as many others have as well. Those guys do an awesome job, man. So let's go ahead and finish out here uh, for the linebacker and defensive back uh, spots. So I said I felt good about deep tackle, and I feel you know, okay, decent about edge. I think you need to sign two high school linebackers. I don't really love this where, where, where this is going here. So my reasoning behind it is this. Number one, last year I, th- I thought you needed to sign three new guys, probably two high school and a transfer. You signed one high school in Omar Graham and one transfer. I think you need to assume that one of Deloach or Tatum Bethune, at least one, are potentially gone, right? Whether that's a smart decision to go pro is up to them. Uh, that their family circumstance and whatever they, they, they decide to do. Maybe they play well enough to actually justify going pro. Um, and I think you need to assume that two of the upperclassmen who don't actually get playing time will not be on the roster in 2023. So we all know the guys that have recently had their positions moved to linebacker. They're not really looking so far through, through you know, spring camp uh, that they're going to make an impact. Doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be off the roster this year. I just think pragmatically you have to assume if you're projecting as, as a staff that you're going to have two transfers among the non-playing upperclassmen. You don't have any commits right now at this spot. Uh, linebacker coach slash defensive coordinator Randy Shannon uh, is it's just not somebody whose evaluations I really trust, man. Uh, again, I, I I don't sit here and cheerlead every single move that the school makes. I don't like the move of him to co-defensive coordinator, and I don't really like the hire. I thought as a, as a flyer, as an analyst, it made a lot of sense to take him because he had the connections to the safety who, or, you know, who would end up going to Alabama. Um, that's a really you know money well spent. You know you didn't get the player forty with they pay him forty one. I think um, that made a lot of sense. Elevating him to uh, co DC and linebacker coach, I, I disagree with the decision. 
just, I don't trust his evaluations personally. I, I don't, I don't like him. The, the evaluation, not, not him as a person. I think he's fine as a person. I think he's been told to expand his board a little bit. Well, I don't think that. I know that, that, that he's been like, Hey, like we have to like some of these guys, right? They're interested in Caleb Duval. Uh, Justin Cryer is another guy they, they have offered. Raylan Wilson, uh, is a guy I know they're somewhat interested in. Some people think Wilson wants to get out of Tallahassee, and that's not always a bad a bad thing, you know, personal life wise. Uh, Demarco Ward is another recent offer. I think we covered him in the one or two shows ago when we went down the, the most recent offer list. But ultimately, just I've been in the state of Florida for thirty six years, and I know guys at the other schools that he's worked at, and I don't like where this is headed at linebacker right now. I think you've heard some of the same from, from the, you know, the guy that runs the scouting service, you know? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, hopefully uh, that'll be something that gets corrected. Florida State not having an adequate group of linebackers. It's just one of those things that you can't live with. I can uh, I can understand, as I said a second ago, I can understand if you're not signing uh, a top five ranked defensive end or a you know, top eight ranked defense tackle or something like that. That's a super premium. Signing adequate and good high school linebackers is not a super premium position out there. You can go out there, recruit within a uh, really small geographic circle uh, from your campus and have access to more than enough linebackers for this to turn into uh, a problem. So hopefully that's not a conversation that we're uh, seeing it turn into. I, I agree with that. I mean, we'll, we'll see how this goes. Uh, Grayson Howard is a guy who actually liked Chris Marv, uh, which not a lot of recruits were super in love with with Chris Marv. Uh, but I haven't heard much about FSU and him recently. I just I don't really understand some of the uh, choices being made here at this position. And uh, maybe they'll find some undersized guys from South Florida, uh, you know, who they like, or maybe maybe they'll find some undersized guy who's fast and and, uh, and make a fake huddle and and uh, you know put. Put some South Florida High School on there, and then they'll get the thumbs up yeah. on that. Let's go to defensive back. Defensive Honestly, back. I Let's feel like they, they, need, they need two, maybe three. Uh, last year, they would have taken three. Obviously, Travis Hunter didn't end up in the class, uh, but they still got two. I, early returns, looks like both those guys are a hit. So that's encouraging. It's super early. We'll see how this goes. Travis J also looked really, really good last year until he didn't. So I guess you really never can know fully. If issue wants to carry, I think, 15 to 17 defensive backs, there's a lot of guys on this roster who I'm not sure are going to be on this roster next year. Does McClellan have another year? I was trying to look at this before. I think, I think he might have his super senior year still available, but I'm not totally sure on that. Uh, you're going to have some guys have to make some decisions, right? Akeem Dent, Jerry and Jones, how much playing time does Greedy Vance get? I, I, I'm assuming Jamie Robinson is not coming back for another year after this year, I would, I would assume. Bernardo Green has you know, had a promising spring so far, but we'll see how that translates to the rest of spring and, and to the field. So you know, is he a guy who's going to, be, going to be around? Hunter Washington, Jarvis Brownlee, obviously. Uh, uh, Demari Tate, Amarin Cooper, uh, A.G. Thomas, I expect him to be around. Kevin Knowles, not going anywhere. Um, 
you know, is Travis Chase still around, right? Uh, Shane Brown, how much playing time does he get? The staff was very high on him last year early on. And, and then some of that enthusiasm, I think, tapered off uh, slightly. But two to three makes sense to me here. Uh, I'm not even going to put corner safety designation on this right yet because I don't know where the attrition is going to come. If they don't think they're going to have any attrition, you really only need to take like one or two. But I think two to three makes a good bit of sense here. They don't have any commits right now. One of the targets that I think that they're in a good good spot for uh, is Jeremiah England. He is he is Derwin James' cousin. He was very good, apparently, at an event that I did not go to, uh, and at the event I did go to for twenty four seven sports. Uh, check out my top performers piece from that. Uh, he was not particularly good that day. Now, again, this is why it's important to see prospects multiple times. I only need really to see them once to see how big they are. And he's got he's got fine size. But to see him perform, you know, it, some things have signature signature significance, like running a you know four three forty or something like that. But in limited one on one reps, I, I need to see more uh, before I, I really judge a player. But he was not great that day. So, uh, like, he didn't pop to me. as like, yeah, that's definitely an FSU quality guy today. Uh, but he has some good film, and apparently he was good at another camp. So it's possible he was just having an off day there. We'll, we'll see. Uh, they're still involved with Marcari Vickers. Uh, they're involved with, with Isaac Smith. What else here? Takari uh, Nelson. I'm feeling mostly okay about this because I, I do think Woodson is a solid recruiter for you. And the fact that you don't really need a ton means you can be somewhat picky here. But I think you need to go two or three high school, though, because you, you are a little bit upperclassman heavy here. Really one of the places where you got a ton of talent, and uh, yeah, you're going to have a hard time going to have a hard time bringing in a transfer kid that kind of threads the needle, if not either alienating that talent or is of a sufficient level of talent that you don't feel like you're it's really worth it. So uh, one of the few areas that you've done a good job with the high school kids, develop them, and uh, that can continue to be your main area of focus. Uh, anything, anywhere else you want to touch on here, bud? Any, Not uh, really. Uh, conversation. I know you always love to watch the kickers. Yeah, yeah. Big big time on the specialists. All right. So, so no, everybody's an underclassman uh, as far as the kickers go, and nobody should be turning pro based on their performance yet. So. I would say uh, no. Let, let's let's sit tight. Sit tight with the kickers. Um, that's pretty much it today. Like not a whole lot going on. I'm glad we saved the the defensive recruiting show uh, for this episode. And I I'm interested to see a reshuffling of the board here. Okay, you, you've had kids in on visits for the last week. A lot more offensive guys came and visited than defensive actually. But um, that's just kind of the way we we plan the show out. So we have to go talk. We talk the defensive side of the, of, of the ball. Anybody else we need to really talk about here? Well, I tell you what, they did get Caleb Downs in for a visit. Now they're not going to get Caleb Downs. I really don't care how many times he visits. He, he could buy a condo in Tallahassee. I'm still not going to project him to Tallahassee. He's the number one safety in the country uh, out of uh, out of out of Georgia. Where is Houston, Georgia? H O S C H T O N, Georgia. He's he's not all that far from where Travis Hunter was. He's just a little bit. Uh, kind of Atlanta to Athens. Houston's a little bit closer and maybe a little bit further north uh, than most of Gwinnett County there. So Metro Atlanta, kind of the uh, northern edge. Got it. Okay. 
Awesome, man. Well, uh, maybe two this week, definitely two next week. And we will, uh, uh, I will talk to you soon. This has been the Nolcast. The Nolcast is created and hosted by Bud Elliott and Ingram Smith, music by Judson Wright, and produced by Justin Robinson. Go Knowles. Thank you.